Welcome to Empowered Conversations. I'm your host, Susie Petrozzi. This podcast will take you on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery through conversations with special guests that will inspire you to live the life of your dreams. Get ready now for an Empowered Conversation. Well, hello and welcome to another wonderful Empowered Conversation. You're here with Susie Petrozzi and I've got a really special guest today. I am so honoured to have her here with me today. She's calling in all the way from US, from California. Um, Her name is Esther Hatfield-Miller. Esther is a survivor of clergy sexual abuse. She transforms from victim to survivor and emerges a thriver using her uniquely crafted five-step self-healing system from chaos to calm. Esther is a certified trauma recovery coach who mentors clergy sexual abuse victims from all faith-based communities to self-heal their trauma through the lens of trauma-informed care so they create a more powerful, calm and drama-free life. Esther, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having this time with me. I'm really I'm really honored to have this You're conversation. Welcome. You're welcome. It's so lovely to connect with you. It's been forever since I've seen you in the flesh, right? Yeah, yeah. We go back a little while, you and I. We go back um, back to 2014, I think. And, you know, we we came, I guess we were brought together in, in an amazing community um, focused on bringing, bringing their gifts to the world. And I've been doing that in my own special way You've been doing that in your own special way. You know, we're all on our journey in some unique ways. And I want to know about your journey. You know, you've been on a on your own journey, so I'd love to share your journey. Um, I, you know, the question that comes to me is, where are you at now with your journey of healing from sexual abuse? Well, Susie, I'm on a voyage one voyage. <laughs> it is not a journey journey. It is a voyage because in that vessel, whether it's a big vessel or a small vessel, there's peaks. Sometimes it feels like tidal waves. Sometimes it's just a calm sea that I'm traveling on this voyage, right? Mm-hmm. Of healing. And so where I am today is that I'm pretty complete. Although we do know that trauma recovery healing is never done. Um, I think I was mentioning to you that at the Papal Abuse Summit that I was invited to, one of the journals that that had interviewed me, oh man, I think it was back in 2007, uh, saw me and said, wow, what did you do to heal? We haven't, it was the BBC actually. They said, we haven't covered your story in so long Mm. and you look dramatically different. Uh, How did you heal? (laughs) I just started laughing. I said, oh no, 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 this is not you know, a pill you swallow and then you're done. I said, I'll be six feet under and healed, right? Like I'll be onto my next revision Mm -hmm. of me. Um, And so it's so important that your listeners know that it is a current based, present, abundant way to live when we choose healing. And in fact, that's one of the five guiding principles of trauma-informed care is voice and choice. Right. So when we learn to voice what happened to us and we learn to choose how we are going to be healing through that, 
it's really so abundant and and um, so well being and well intentioned for somebody's soul that's been wounded. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to definitely know more around. You know the the voice in choice, but I want to come back to and ask you a really important question. I mean, it's it's really special to hear you talk about um, not journey but voyage. You know, with ups and downs. Um, has that been a process of accepting it as a voyage? How did you come to that, Esther? So I had made a distinction um, that the journey for myself, especially in um, clergy sexual abuse victimization. Um, The journey just felt so long and daunting. Mm. And yet, because there's something intriguing about taking a voyage, they're like, oh, that seems plausible. The journey felt like uh, walking the Camino, so long (sighs) and intentional, right? Um, And many of us have been in recovery 24 years, 22 years. I had a gentleman approach me after I spoke on a stage in Las Vegas, he was 92 and he cornered me and he said, young lady, I I just feel like I need to tell someone Mm -hmm. I'm 92 years old and have never told what happened to me as a young boy. Wow. And he disclosed, right? So we know that the common age, at least in America that we have discovered Uh uh, for some evidence-based metrics is about 54, 56 before someone utters um, their story and decides to tell. Wow. That's a long time. That's half, half the their life. Limitations. Yeah. That's half their life. Right. More. Yeah. So to be sitting with that trauma embedded in our cellular structure, Sizzy, mm. it's a heavy, heavy thing to carry on that healing journey. Right. So there's some buoyancy on a voyage though. There's mm. some buoyancy that gives you a little lift that can support you. There's life rafts, life vests. <laughs> arm floaties you can put on right there's additional things on the voyage which make it a little bit uh palpable a little bit more tolerable for at least my community yeah I love that you know as soon as you as soon as you talk about that you just make it a bit more like well you 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 touch on possibility in in terms and and hope in in fact beyond that so I want to come back to um um, your work, you know, the work that you do with your people, it's very special. It's sacred. You use the word sacred. Um, yeah. It is, and it's it's very it's very tangible. It's very practical. Um, I know that the work you do specifically is on coaching clients. So tell me about that. Tell me, I'm going to start from there. Actually, you specifically coach. Your and it's let me just re- it's not clients you don't call them clients I'm no <laughs> we don't call, call them clients we call we call them participants they are participants in their recovery they are participants in their healing mm. right and so when they're identified and they start to self-identify hey I'm a participant mm. there's some sense of ownership versus oh, you're my client or you're in my community. No, no, we are in this together. We get to set recovery goals together. Mm. And that's an interesting distinction because right off the bat, usually when I was in in therapy in CBT or traditional talk therapy, Mm. um, it was my therapist who set the treatment plan. It was a top down. 
And so when I knew that I wanted to be in the helping profession, I said, oh, how can I do this and not get in, get myself in trouble by, <laughs> by uh, going outside of the guidelines and the suggested rules, <laughs> if you will, of compliance? How can I do that to support those oozing wounded souls out there in my community? And so trauma recovery coaching came across my 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 email actually and I was like wow I gotta take a look at this mm-hmm. right so I did not wake up one day and say oh I want to be the best trauma recovery coach in the world I didn't even know those terms and in fact mm-hmm. um my ideal client they don't even know those terms mm-hmm. but they're just so sick and tired of being burdened and self-loathing mm-hmm. cloaked in that shame blame and guilt of the clergy sexual abuse victimization that they just reached a point where I've got to try something else. So that's why I selected trauma recovery coaching. So they come to us in desperation. In fact, they don't even get to, to come work with us unless they've gone to traditional therapy outside. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the capacity. So when they're spewing, maybe it's recovered memory, repressed memory. This is the first time they dialogued about it. I am not the person to handle that. Um, they would be best served in a community where there's therapists, licensed clinical social workers, MFTs, people who can, who can support that. Right. Yeah. Um, we are in service to people that are so sick and tired of being a victim and they're ready to like literally roll their sleeves up Susie mm. and say, okay, just give me the crap to do. Give me the steps to do. I'll do whatever they're in desperation. Yeah, yeah. And right. you, and so that that's why we've had such massive success. Yeah. Um, you really based on number one, who you are as a person, okay? I when I when I when I think of you, when I feel about the person that you are, Esther, you're someone who you will look at okay, you will look at say what the protocol is, what the guidelines are, and then you will say, Okay, but this is not for example, maybe empowering, or this is not this is this is not something that's going to help empower my participants. And so you're always looking at um, one. You're always looking at words. How is you know whether it be phrases, wording? How is that going to empower your um, participants? And you really challenge them. So tell me a bit more around that, like working with words, like you talk about lazy yeah. words, like that's your pet peeve, right? So speak to, speak more to that. Yeah. Well, even my own life coach, because I do have three coaches, me personally, always, I have a Mm -hmm. spiritual guide, a life coach and uh, another um, business coach, Mm -hmm. right? So, because I'm in it for the long haul Um, and this is not about the monetary gain, but everyone deserves um, to have their unique genius um, validated. And that happens to come through monetary gain for me. So I can create and draft more things and spill it over into the community, right? So, but one of the things my life coach, Sophie said to me is after meeting with me, she says, you know, I've noticed this thing about you. I said, what is that? And she says, you don't like lazy words and you don't use lazy words. And, and this, I had this Scooby-Doo moment. Hmm? What? <laughs> and so what I said to her is you're right. I do not like lazy words. So for instance, in our 
our program and our coursework, I even happen to have it here. Our community gets a student thesaurus. Okay, so I'll give you an example. I won't disclose because because of confidentiality, sure. I will keep his name. Um, so let's just call him Joe. Joe says, comes to the coaching session and he's just really down, dragging, despondent. And usually he's like, okay, what steps do you have for me today? Let's coach. But this time he came and he says, I'm sad. And intuitively I knew ah, that's not accurate, right? He may think that's a word. Eh. Okay, you know, that's a lazy word. A sad, just as an umbrella word, it covers all, right? So I said, okay, you have your thesaurus with you? He says, yep, sure do. He pulls it out and he gets to sad. Dejected, <laughs> depressed, desolate, gloomy, melancholy, unhappy, downcast, morose. Yeah. Whoa, there's a whole plethora of other options. I said, tell me what's going on. He's like, I was passed over promotion. And I really deserved it. And I said, oh, what other, what other word here could you use? He says, really? I'm not sad. I'm feeling dejected. Mm. I'm like, yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I celebrate that, that they're able to use voice and to choice it. Right? They can choose a word out of the thesaurus that really aligns to what they're feeling inside. Because these people who have been crime victims and clergy sexual abuse victims are crime victims, Susie. Mm. They have been sitting with this ickiness in their life for 20, 30, 40 years, right? And mm. in the case of that elderly gentleman, over 70 years, he held all of this inside. So when I can get them to not use lazy words to really match up to how they're really feeling inside, yeah. Wow. We can really make some progress. And often, oftentimes we see this lazy word, our, our generations. Oh, everything's amazing. It's mm. awesome. I'm like, really? I, I think I've used this example before. If a meteor fell out of the sky, landed on my patio table, ricocheted into my swimming pool, that would be awesome. <laughs> I would be awestruck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm. But we use it like, oh, I had an awesome cupcake. No, mm -hmm. you didn't have an awesome cupcake, <laughs> right? And so when I get um, the participants to select the words that really match up, it, it really empowers them um, so that even just that little win, we get to celebrate, right? And, and that's why it's important to celebrate. Every little yeah. piece on our voyage, we get to celebrate. So... I just want to come back to that, what you were saying. When you, when you give them, when, they, when you empower them and challenge them at the same time to find that word, what, what's your sense about what that does to them? Like it obviously matches their feeling, but why is that so important? Like what happens on the inside for them? They get clarity. Mm. They gain confidence. Mm. So, confidence doesn't yeah. come before the clarity. Mm, confidence comes right. way back down on the voyage it takes courage to whip out a student thesaurus yeah. in front of your trauma coach and do a deep dive into really how you're feeling it mm. takes courage mm. right they have spent a life just self-loathing cloaked mm. in shame 
And so when they have a win just like that with not, uh, not um, being satisfied with the lazy word, mm. and they're using voice and choice to select something for themselves that better matches right. up to right. how they're feeling. Man, I love that because if I can get mm. them to empower themselves in selecting a word, then they can finish the five modules, right? They can, there's so many things within yeah. the modules that's a win for them. Yeah. Um, so we do know that practice, practice doesn't make perfect. Mm. Practice makes progression. And so in these little steps, these little wins, they get to, they get to have progression and they mm. see it and they feel it and they own it and, and, and they're count onable to mm. themselves. I love that. Can you, can you say that again, that count onable? You mentioned <laughs> yeah. that previously. I love your words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just make up all kinds of weird shit. But anyway, yeah. oops, I use dodgy language. Sorry. No, that's, no, no, no. You're being you. You're being so authentically <laughs> Esther. So you have to use the words that you use. <laughs> okay. So our community doesn't resonate with the word accountable. Mm -hmm. We were accountable to our clergy. We were accountable to the nuns, to the monsignors, to the rabbis, to the imams that abused us as kids, right? Mm. So anytime we hear that word accountable, we're like frozen. It it just triggers us. It activates us to our core because we were accountable. Okay. So I said, what is something that could really be useful in my community? And I said, I do want us to be able to account for something. In fact, I'm even married to an accountant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny that. (laughs) (laughs) So so it dawned on me, yes, we can be count honorable to each other, Mm. which is in a way, is a different and new light way of saying Mm. we're accountable to each other in the community, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's softer and gentler. Our essence, our cellular structure inside of us, Susie, we can feel that and work with that when we're in that structure. And I'm so top of mind about how others are going to receive information. How are they going to vibe with it? Is it going to send them into a tailspin? Is it not handling information and disseminating information in a trauma-informed way? I'm so top of mind about that because Mm. I don't want to be triggered. I don't want to be activated through this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dealing with somebody's soul. Yeah. This is this is sacred work. This is holy work. Mm. Right? I got their soul in my hand when I'm coaching them. Yeah. I don't wow. take that light. Yeah. Wow. I think that's you know, even in, in you in in hearing you again, you know, because we connected last week and now you sharing those important but yet such powerfully discerning ways um, when it comes to words, certainly, but when it comes to even voice, when it comes to owning, empowering, whether it be your participants or us, when it comes to trauma, when it comes to, you know, certainly me in my capacity as a clinical psychologist and an empowerment coach, being mindful around words like, yes, I am to some degree, but there's always the next degree. There's always the next degree of learning and you sharing your from your own experience because your experience is embodied as it comes from the depth of your yeah. soul, which is why you can hold them in such a sacred place. Like 
I just, I don't know, this, something's reverberating for me as we're speaking about that. You know, we are, we're all human and we each have that soul and we need to connect on that level and that's what you're doing with these participants. So when they come in, because sometimes you used to hold groups, right, pre-COVID, you used to hold groups and you would have participants come to your place into your special I room. apologise. That's my dog. There's Harry Connick Jr. in the background. <laughs> yeah, Connick Guys, Jr. Esther right has um, Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> he, I, I think he wants to say a few words. <laughs> <laughs> or is he saying, Susie, just, you know, just like get with the program. <laughs> hey, Harry, I think we're friends now. He knows me now. This is why he's saying hello. It's your energy. You're drawing him to you. Bless you. Oh, say hello. Big hug. Um, what I wanted to say is, you know, when they come in, there's something that you've spoken to in our conversation, which is they come in, they're in a certain place. You talk about vibration. And when they come out of that meeting, when they're done, they're finished, when you've done the work, and we're going to talk about that, they're, they're, you know, they're at a higher vibration because of some of the things that you've already spoken to about voice, about choice, really having them be um, conscious and conscious of what is it that they're saying, but also owning their feelings and then empowering them. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe if you can speak more to that experience around, you know, what happens for them when they come in and they come out and we're going to talk about your system. I know that I want you to share the three C's to, um, to taming the trauma triggers, but, and maybe you can incorporate some of them now, you know, in terms of, Indeed. When they come to Indeed. you, yeah. So when they come into group, it's a daunting task because mm. sometimes they never even stepped into a place like that. They don't know me. They don't know the other souls sitting in the same room, right? But they come um, with this hope. If we lose hope, eh, it's uh, hope is everything right? And so it's my responsibility to keep them dwelling in possibility. So when they make the initial connection, mm. I get to put that wedge of possibility. I get to hold it open until we meet in group. There is energy I'm thinking, collecting, um, like in a sacred way. You know, Susie, I'm not woo-woo. I'm just woo. And so <laughs> one of the great things is that, you know, I can learn from every soul that sits in that chair in group. Yeah. Um, so they come and initially I will have a guest speaker um, and we'd love to have you, you know, come from afar. We could pre-record or you could come mm. live. And it is so cool when there's another guest speaker there teaching on a modality or something that maybe they could glean one thing. And I tell them when they come to get the information of how to attend or how to register for the Zoom, I say, listen, I really want you to only be anticipating and be on the lookout for the one takeaway you can take from the evening. Not the whole two hours, but from the one thing that you can glean. So it's from the guest speaker, from the guest guru, the guest expert that we have at the top of the meeting, or maybe it's in the actual share, the dedicated share time, or maybe it's even in the 10 guidelines that we, the suggested guidelines that we read together to follow. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's in the third part of the meeting where it's the advocacy um, and action section of the meeting. Mm -hmm. And they're like, really? I said, yeah, really. Just, just be on the lookout for one thing that you're going to 
take away, put in your pocket to be able to use some, sometime after the meeting, the next day, two days, a week after the meeting or whatever. And so I already set them up with possibility. Susie, when we dwell in possibility, there's this hope of, oh, finding something else, something mm. gleaning that we could utilize, capture, modify, right? And so it's so cool because um, I know that room's going to be filled with hope. They come in, even though they're scared, they're mm. filled with hope and they're mm. already dwelling in possibility. Mm. So we keep them dwelling in the possibility. And then it's a very structured um, way to hold a self-support group meeting. Um, and having a guest expert, somebody else besides me, mm. I do not want to become the authority figure in their life. It's a disservice if I become another authority figure in their life, right? Mm. Um, and, and I tell them, I'm just a little bit ahead of you. I'm too am on this voyage yeah. of trauma recovery. Mm. Yeah. And the worst thing is for even as you as a therapist or other mm. social workers is that we are the end all know all that we are the God almighty yeah. authority figure. We yeah. aren't, we're just a little bit ahead of you mm. in that healing profession. Right. And so that way I can still be relatable. I can be relevant um, and I can be real with them. Mm. And I tell them I'm still learning. Mm. That's why I have to have a beginner's mind. Um, I was in a um, entrepreneurial webinar and somebody actually from our sassy community said, oh my gosh, you're a seasoned entrepreneur. What are you doing here? I'm learning. Mm. There's just one thing I'm sure I can learn and take back to my yeah. community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Who am I to think that I know it all? I don't. Mm. And that's why we have continuing education credits, right? We still go to learn. Mm. Beginner's yeah, mind. It's so wonderful. So one of the things I do teach them with, uh, teach them during the group are the three C's of taming trauma triggers. And mm -hmm. I have them get up out of their seats and I'll emulate it here for you. The mm -hmm. th one is you're going to catch as if you have a butterfly net, mm -hmm. right? You're going to catch the trigger. Mm -hmm. You're going to move your body. Somatic is so important, right? Somatic healing, catch yeah. the trigger, reaching and you check the trigger. Is that father so-and-so coming to abuse me again? Oh no. Mm. And then you catapult it. So it's catch, check, catapult. They're moving wow. their body through this, right? The three C's of taming that trauma trigger. Yeah. Susie, the trauma trigger is there to take us down. Mm. We are hardwired in our bodies, fight, flight, freeze response, right? Our body is supposed to react that way when a scent or a song or a memory, uh, uh, yeah, or the person whose hand mannerisms just look like, you know, the rabbi that abused. Um, mm. I have one one participant who's he says, Esther, I just can't take it. I when when I see this person, his hand mannerisms remind me of the rabbi that abused me when I was studying for my bar mitzvah, right? Like real life things yeah mm -hmm. but he's learned to tame the trauma trigger because wow. the trauma trigger acts like this ferocious tiger it's going to devour you consume yeah. you and take you down unless mm. we tame it and we can learn to tame it in mm. real time mm. in present state we can learn to tame it but it takes practice mm. 
Mm. And practice is just progression. It's not perfection. We get to practice. So they learn the three C's of taming trauma triggers in group, you know, and they're feeling wonky. They're feeling, this is weird. I've never had a therapist. I said, I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had somebody tell me to get up out of my seat and move my body. Yeah. And invariably, they're so relieved because they walk in with possibility and hope, but it's all pent up. Uh-huh. And when they learn to move, oh man, shift happens. So what do you see? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. I have seen police officers. I have seen uh, felons, ex-cons in my community mm. who know how to tame a trauma trigger in real time. Um, I had one fellow, he, he said, I, he called me right away. He says, I had a meeting with a parole officer. I said, Oh, how'd it go? And he said, I taught her my three C's of taming the trauma. Trigger. Oh, wow. I said, hey, what? He says, yeah, you're always that telling so this to cool. R&D, Robin duplicate, share with anybody. He said, <laughs> I did. He said, I Robin duplicated you. I totally did. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful, Esther. The uh, parole officer calls me a couple days later. She's like, Annie was her name. She says, I just love that you taught so-and-so this. It was so great to see him use it in real time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And he was actually being triggered because they wanted to lessen his parole and move him to a different parole officer. He's like, no, 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 Uh, I need to stay with you. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. (laughs) And he couldn't voice until he settled why he was activated until he settled that all down. He couldn't express himself and advocate for himself. Mm. But he didn't want to move to another parole officer. He wanted to stay with the same parole officer. Mm. And he did. Right. He advocated for himself Mm. in real time. Mm. Wow, so so such empowering work. It's um brings it, it, it really makes me um, it brings tears to my eyes, you know, tears of joy and possibility of really what this work, the the possibility that this work has and carries. And and you know what I want to come back to, you know, for our for our listeners, what I want to emphasize is you you know, we we hear Esther talk about using the somatics like when when it comes to trauma like just emphasizing the importance of moving the body like to help to help release some of that pent up not some of it but yeah to help release that pent up trauma obviously it's going to be with guidance um but if you're just in talk therapy and you're you're working on trauma um it's going to be tricky, right? Because sometimes you're actually re. There's a lot of reenactment that happens. There's a lot of triggers that can happen through that. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that, Esther. The three keys. Now, a really important question that I didn't ask yet, but I want to come back to it is: Why is it so hard? What's one simple reason that it's so hard for women or men to um, actually talk about? Why do they hesitate talking about their trauma? Um, they don't have a safe container with which to release the information. Mm-hmm. And so it's like opening Pandora's box for them. Yeah. It's not safe for them. And in fact, one of the, the first guiding principle of trauma-informed care, because there's five of them, is safety. So it's safety not just for their own being, their own body, their own physicality, but safety for the information that they're about to release Mm. and to share. 
So as long as they don't disclose, they don't risk anything. They just keep it inside. And so, um, yeah, it's just fear. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of courage yeah. to raise your hand and say, yep, this happened to me. Mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. Right? It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult. But when we afford a container that, listen, you can tell me, here's the container. You can dump it in. Mm. Yeah. We're not going to let you marinate in it though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that someplace else. Yeah. We're going to get you out of the container, mm. right? We're not the crab. You've heard the crab analogy where the crabs don't want the crab that wants to not fry mm. <laughs> leave and the other crabs are pulling it down. No, no. We are saying sore, baby, sore. Mm. We give them two things, roots and wings. I love that. I'm a mama. Yeah. I'm a mama. Of course you are. <laughs> I give my kids roots and wings, right? But I also do that in my trauma recovery practice. Yeah. I give them yeah. roots and wings. Yeah. And they don't have roots like this, like mine. Mm. They just have never experienced it because mm. um, I'm able to just bring this in, bring that in, somatic healing, uh, parts I've, uh, about the stress cocktail from Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's book, body keeps the score. There's so many things that I'm able to pull in, in real time and on the fly. Yeah. And that's what makes me so unique. And um, I'm not afraid. Let's just try it. It's not, it's like putting a piece of article yeah. of clothing. Let's just try it on. Let's see how that fits. Yeah. This and is true. The they're like, Oh, this is tight. I said, oh, okay. Move your arm, put your <laughs> arm through it. Right. And then, yeah. And I move and having them move their body. You should see it looks like uh, we're playing Twister in here. Yeah. And that is, that is so wonderful. That brings, um, yeah, that really makes me smile because you, through your own experience, through your own wisdom that you've acquired over, over time, um, and, and obviously training and knowledge, you know, you are so in who you are when you're with them, when you're with, you know, your participants, you are really holding that space for them. It's unmovable, unshakable. <laughs> and what, but that's how I coach. I coach from my scar, mm. not from the wound that happened mm. to me. And so it's an interesting. That's wonderful. Thing. Say that again. I love that. I coach from the scar. Mm. not the wound. Susie, if I coached through the wound, it's open, icky, smelly, tacky, just gross, Mm. right? They don't want to hear about the recounting of the clergy sexual abuse that I sustained as a minor girl from Father Mike Masira. They want to hear what's possible in their own healing. They want to hear from my scar. I have the scar. It's evidence through all my life. Mm. Heck, I have four husbands. I've been married four times, right? There were times my kids didn't even want to spend Mother's Day with me. I'm such a hot mess. Mm. So there there are things in my life that have been evidenced because of the clergy sexual abuse, victimization, right? Mm. But it doesn't define me. It's the wound. The scar is something there. It's like, oh, that's evidence that something happened. But if I was still in the wound, Everybody, including you, would feel yes. icky and ooh, yeah. sorry, I don't want to hear the details mm. of all of that, right? Mm. But when I teach from the scar, I coach from the scar, it's another level of possibility. They're like, oh, I'll have what she's having. 
Yeah, love it. <laughs> I want something, something. Like yeah, <laughs> and and it's so true. It is. It really is. You know, it's it's you know it's and and this you know it's what's interesting is about obviously your work is is for those for people who have been through clergy abuse, right? It's helping the survivors. Yes. But what you're saying is applicable to everyone because everyone has had some kind of trauma, right? So you're sharing yeah. this that you're sharing the knowledge and the wisdom that we can all take away from. We can all apply what you're sharing to some degree. But the work, your the scope of your work is like, oh my gosh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because it's huge, right? You're talking. We've yeah, just touched on yeah. a few things here. I just here. love it. I, I love it because I love looking at my 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 collateral, my marketing collateral. But, you know, the modules, the self-healing modules are, mm. is just so incredible because the first one is mind filmness. Most people operate from mindfulness. Our minds are full of crap already. We need to dump out so we can pour in. Intentionally filling our minds with stuff that our, our brain can handle to settle down that brain chatter. We all have that monkey chatter going mm. on, right? And then the second module is work about um, mental vision rehearsal, practice. But practice, how do they see themselves? Mm -hmm. Healing, is that even possible for them? Yeah. I had one, one gal, she's like, you know, I, I've been institutionalized on and off my whole adult life. I don't know. And like, yeah, you don't know because you, you haven't empowered yourself yet. But when you learn the strategies, tactics, and processes to empower yourself, I don't empower you. You learn them. Mm. And you, it's like a buffet. My modules are like a buffet. They get to like go through the buffet and say, oh, I'm going to take a serving of this. Then I want a double helping of this, another portion of this. They go <laughs> through that buffet and they are feeling like, oh, mm. I can do this, right? And so in that mental vision rehearsal, it's that notion of what you think about expands. Mm, mm. Yeah, let's expand on the really good wellness stuff. And then the third module is where they actually learn to tame the trauma triggers by using the mindfulness piece. Mm. And they really, really work on that. It's like <laughs> someone says, I feel like I'm in Olympic trials. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because we really, we have, uh, it's, it's here folded up, but we have an actual six foot cardboard tiger mm. to remember they look at it that the trigger resembles that tiger that wants to take you down mm. right Brilliant. and they're looking at this and they're yeah. working do the body work through the three c's of taming the trauma trigger and the fourth module is they get to life script they haven't ever figured out what's my life going to be about once i do this mm. they know what it's been in the past or it's been um, decided for them because maybe they were in prison or um, they were institutionalized. They were in, um, in treatment, inpatient treatment. So then they start designing. Um, and to design based on hope and based on empowerment and based on possibility, to design a life that they could dream. Oh, my gosh, they love that. Mm. They love that. Um, and then the fifth module is disassembling their shame bicycle. We use a lot of metaphors, a lot of imagery right. here. It helps. Um, and it's in support of them. So imagine a bicycle, two wheels, 
Um, and we call it the shame bicycle. And so they learn how silence and secrecy, one wheel is silence, one wheel is secrecy that holds this whole shame bicycle together, right? We teach them to put new hardware on there. They could jump on that bicycle and they, before doing their work, they jumped on the bicycle, on the shame bicycle and have ridden it to judgment bill. Mm. Fearful that somebody's going to judge them because they were too weak. They couldn't say no. They didn't know how to say no. The priest or the nun took their power. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why that shame bicycle is still running circles around them. Um, so we disassemble it, the frame, the handlebars, everything. We start disassembling it. And then we assemble a new bicycle with new parts. And then they just can ride it to wherever they want to. What a wonderful <laughs> analogy. Gosh, I'm learning so much from Yester just through the choice of words and metaphors. It's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. It is Thank brilliant, you. though. I'm not just using that. I didn't say awesome. <laughs> It is brilliant. It's powerful. Imagery bypasses that overthinking mind, doesn't it? It just lands then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we also use technology. Yeah. Um, so we use Boxer. We use um what? What's that? that? Boxer? Jot, jot form. Oh, yeah, Boxer is an app on our phone. It's a two-way walkie-talkie, if you will. Oh. So um, and then we use uh Telegram and so that's one way where I'm in, I'm pontificating and I'm just issuing information one way. Mm. Um, and I just do some mini pocket coaching for them. And so they get a, just a, a spur of me. Right. And um, it, sometimes the guys are like, I needed to hear that. Just that two, three minute pocket coaching. It was so useful, mm. so helpful, mm. so insightful. Right. Um, so we do use technology and the JOT form, the J-O-T form, is they populate their win in the last 24 hours, big or small, and it automatically comes to the team, right? And so I get to see, oh, this is where we're at. And it even notifies me who doesn't populate the form. Mm, mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah, sometimes they need some support. Mm. And Susie, everyone is deserving of support. Everyone. Mm. And we don't use the term help. Okay. This is what I was coming to. I wanted you yeah, to yeah, say, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unpack that for me. So we, we can understand so that better. Help, when you use the term, when a person uses the term help, the inverse kind of gets embedded into us. Like I'm helpless. Mm. I need help. Mm. I don't want my people to feel helpless. I want them to feel empowered. Mm. And so I want them to feel that they are deserving of support. Yeah, that's a whole different vibe than so I need help. They're not in crisis. Mm. Very few of them are in crisis mode, right? Um, so I, my goal, and I tell them right from the front, is I take them from victim to survivor, and then they emerge as a thriver. That's amazing. That is right? cool. That's freaking cool. Okay. <laughs> that's it. That's all I get to do. Yeah. And I get to win this i get yeah. to be part of their transformation mm. and to see it in real time so any of those little nuances that i can shift and twist yeah we mm. don't use help in our community but we do use support yeah even and when i pull into the garage in the house and bruce says my husband says you know he hears the garage maybe i've gone grocery uh -huh. shopping at the market and <laughs> it's like do you need help he says i mean support <laughs> Unloading the car. <laughs> Good on you, Bruce. 
<laughs> it's all through my family, through my kids, my grandkids. They're on to it. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, yeah. It. Yes. And it's so empowering for them. Mm. Yeah. Even the five-year-old grandson, he's like, I need some support. Okay, great. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, Esther. Wow. So Esther, tell me about, you know, you've shared the modules that you teach. Is that something that's available online? We use a virtual training platform. Okay. Okay. So, because I understand that you work very closely with, um, with your peeps over in California, US, but would this be open to people internationally, your program? Okay. So can you, yeah, can you just share information as to where they can find that or how they can get in contact with you? What would be the best way? Yeah, they get to schedule a call with me. Okay. And how (laughs) do they? I'm not for everyone. Yeah. uh, Let's be clear. I am, my program is not for everyone and you have to qualify. Mm. You have to qualify, not money wise, not economics wise, um, but just by having been to therapy. You must have gone to therapy someplace else. Mm. We do not have the capacity. Uh, it's a disservice, mm. you know? And I had someone early on, Susie, this is about managing boundaries. And this is a very, very good lesson because when I can, you can learn to manage your boundaries, um, it's easy to say no and you mm. can manage things. Mm. Um, and part of that is managing your mind, managing your tw- triggers and managing your boundaries. That's how we don't get burned out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But early on, someone really super duper close convinced me they saw me speak at a conference um and said i really want to work with you money's not the object and yeah i said okay and i said but mary you haven't you know you haven't gone to therapy and no no i'm okay um i have a social worker that's assigned to me from my disability anyway I just violated my own premise, you know, my mm. own guideline. Um, and I really, it was the disservice to her because I know that when somebody has determined that they're sick and tired of being a victim, this mm. is the program for them. Mm. I'm not for when somebody's first newly disclosing. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the bandwidth to sit there in the vomit, in the mire, in the muck with them, Mm. in the quicksand with them, right? I am not that kind of coach. Mm -hmm. It's very clear, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I will share your details in the resource section. Yeah, Esther at webasshealing.com. Yeah. You can connect with me, a scheduling link sent to them, a questionnaire, right? And we are respectful of our time together and we Mm. have a whole new me discovery call. Wow. (laughs) Some Um, may not want a whole new me. Yeah. They might want to still just be doing the same old, same old. Mm. And I totally respect that. Mm. But to to have a transformation requires two things, Um, a decision and inspired action. Mm. Decision and inspired action. That's very clear. Yeah. Very, very clear. Right. Yeah. Um, and by how they answer the questionnaire, what they say when we dialogue and ha- have a conversation, I'll know whether or not our program mm, will mm, be for them. Mm, yeah. And I've, I've had people that we've, we've, uh, we've supported and sent them to somebody else because I just don't believe in a firm. No, I believe in no. And this is the reason why, and here are the resources for you. Yeah. Right. You support them. You still can be a virtual spanks to them. Mm. <laughs> <That's capacity. laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Mister, um, you're, you're full of you're full of life. It's just you. you. It's just you. You know, you have this wonderful way with 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 words and with we have fun. You know, given everything, you you learn to have a fun, and it just comes from you, which is so special. You know, it just balances things in such a such so a gorgeous way. Susie, real time, real life. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening. It's shifting yeah. for you. Like, yeah. And oh, and let's be clear. The family members sometimes, you know, they're like, oh, so and so is doing really great. I get a phone call and Nancy says, um, I'm confused. I'm like, why are you calling me? Your husband was the one that took the, the course. And he says, she says, yes, but what do you have for me and the girls? <laughs> what? I got nothing. I'm oh, like, I, I only deal with, I don't deal with the, the secondary trauma. I don't deal with the secondary victimization yeah. that your spouse has brought into the household. Right. And they're like, we don't know how to be now that he's not, he's not in jail. He's not getting drunk driving mm. records. He's had a year of sobriety. He's holding down a job. We're like freaked out that he's like normal now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> So interesting. I referred them out to somebody that could yeah. support them, right? But like, okay. I ne- it never dawned on me that once the victim starts healing and goes from victimization to survivor and then emerges as a survivor, the rest of the family unit is like, what? What do we do? Mm-hmm. They don't know how to deal with it. They know what to do when they were all jacked up, yeah. when they were getting calls from the police to come get them out of the jail. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it pushes That's them into that survivor and thriver, doesn't it? It pushes them into that as well, to the degree yeah. that they're then ready to work with that. Um, it's such a big, you know, it's it's a ripple of change. It is, a, it's a huge impact what you do, right? In terms of well, working with working with individuals who want to change first of all, then the impact of that change is going to be beyond that person. Um, because it impacts on those that they come into life with and their relationships and so on and so on. Esther, I know that um, I'm aware of our time, um, but what I did want to ask, do you still speak? Are you still speaking? Are you still speaking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you're continuing to share your knowledge and inform, inform, in uh, across different settings do you speak you still continue to speak at universities and where so what kind of places do you speak at what's your target audience uh, well i speak um at lawyers conventions mm-hmm. at law schools mm. so right now in the state of california we have a three-year window of opportunity a statute of limitation a window if you will was yeah. raised so that those that were violated um, as minors can now bring forth civil litigation. Mm. And so when I litigated, Susie, I had nobody to support Mm. me through this whole thing. Um, And so I became that particular type of advocate Mm. for civil litigation. So we do trauma-informed civil litigation um, for different attorneys and law firms. And because not everyone is, all not, not all civil litigation attorneys are equal. And all, all plaintiffs are not created equal, meaning that uh, civil litigation is not for everyone. It's difficult. I won't, I won't fib about that. It is very daunting. It is a big elephant to, to chew um, because it's 
putting you in a disempowering situation. And so when we can come alongside and get the plaintiff prepped, uh, prepared, equipped, supported to endure a three or five year litigation cycle, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then the attorney is one here. Oh, how do you do that? Right. And yeah. so we protect their privilege because they disclose to me some of the um, specifics for sexual assault, sexual violence that maybe they don't even have the courage to say to their own legal team. Yeah. And so I come in as a partner in that, which is really beautiful because I became the thing that I did not have. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As a trauma specialist. Right. I, I didn't have one in me. And the attorneys in, inevitably become another authority figure in their lives. Mm-hmm. They don't mean to. They don't mean to be missing the plaintiff they, they just signed on. Um, but they're busy doing the lawyering. And yeah. the lawyering is does not always offer care, compassion, and concern. Yeah. They're busy lawyering and getting the, the, the litigation, the brief compiled. Mm. And so I, um, somebody said, oh, you're like the middle of an Oreo cookie. <laughs> <laughs> like that soft, fluffy part. <laughs> My people are hilarious, right? I like said, yeah, I guess I am like that soft, I guess fluffy you are. part. <laughs> that really should be the norm, right? Like when, when we think about, I mean, I think when we look back 50 years from now, let's say, or forward or back. Well, let's say no forward. Yeah. Let's let's uh-huh. even go through. Let's hope it's less, right? Let's really hope it's less. I'm talking about ten years. I hope that things look different. I hope that everyone has someone like you going through, you know, civil proceedings like that is that in itself is traumatizing, as you you know made reference to. So to have somebody yeah. like you, like <laughs> the middle like of the a. Middle of the so so important really um absolutely far out give them actual things that they can walk into a deposition with um you want to know one of them yeah yeah okay so we do some woo-woo things even though i'm not woo-woo so i learned sanskrit part of my yoga practice um so my yogi taught me satanama and so this, I these are your fingertips, right? So can you, yeah. Satanama. Okay. You t- depress the uh, thumb to the forefinger, then to the middle finger, then to the ring finger, and then to the pinky, right? And so truth is my identity. Satanama. So as they're in deposition, I prep them so that they put their hands under the conference room table mm-hmm. when they're being deposed and they're doing that finger mudra, satanama, to themselves. Truth is my identity. Truth is my identity. And it's really, it's playing in the back of their mind as they're depressing their fingers under the table. And just those little things like that, which are such big things, to help them keep grounded, focused, empowered as much as possible. I love your open-mindedness and I love how you, you, you see the opportunity or the importance of some of those things, which again, the somatics, right? Using the body. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Esther, you're something. And that's how they become empowered, how they empower themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You're really something where, you know, very, um, I, I feel, I feel blessed that there's someone like you out there in the world doing the work that you're doing, you (laughs) know, and all we need to do is have little replications of you. (laughs) 
need to spread little esters everywhere. <laughs> My girlfriend says, you know, you really need to carry a sign or something, uh, you know, like a breastplate. It says, you don't just meet Esther, you experience her. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like that. I mean, for those of you, for those of you listening, I'm I'm sorry, but you don't have the pleasure of seeing Esther because we're doing this interview via Zoom. So when I was asking Esther, should we do it um, via phone or Zoom, and we both of us just went, okay, it's a no-brainer. It's going to be a you know video <laughs> because her energy is just incredible. It's so infectious and in in such a beautiful way, and. Um, Thank you, Esther. I mean, you know, I just want to see if there's anything else that you want to share as a last message for our conversation today. Yes, there's one word that's so powerful, um, and it's called metanoia. Metanoia is the journey of changing your mind, your heart, yourself, or your way of life. Metanoia. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me today on Empowered Conversations. Subscribe to the show now and then head over to my Facebook page, Susie Petrozzi, for free personal growth and self-discovery tools that you can use today to be present, be powerful, and be on purpose. See you next time for Empowered Conversations.